0: Hello and welcome back to the Ireland Football Fans podcast. Uh, I'm Joseph McCarthy of the Irish Abroad website. I'm joined again by Mark Kennedy from Hawkeye Sidekick and Philip Flanagan from the bottomless pit of football. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of a different episode this time out. Uh, We're still a month away from the first international fixtures uh, of 2022. Uh, So... We're going to take a look back at a, a blog that I posted late last year. This is regarding uh, a statement made by Ken Early of the Second Captains on uh, episodes 2187 of the Second Captains podcast that was released uh, on Monday, the 15th of October. Ken made his statement about the team under Giovanni Trapattoni. When Trapattoni was the manager, he barely used a guy under the age of 27. He barely brought in a new player in the entire five years that he was there. Who did he actually introduce to the team? James McCarthy, eventually, after he was begged for two or three years, please play this guy. James Coleman eventually became established in the team in 2013, the year he turned 25, right after he was left out of the Euros the previous season because he was only 24, maybe 23. I'm not sure what point his birthday is in the year. James Coleman, but he was an established Premier League fullback and still didn't go to the Euros because Trapp was like, well, is he experienced enough? That's the attitude we were dealing with. That's the year when a lot of the damage was done. Now, I dealt a lot with what Ken stated uh, in the in the blog post, and I, I link to that in the the description for the for the episode. But when we were discussing it amongst ourselves, uh, we started to think like, what players did make their debuts under each manager, and which manager had the best players available to him from. The players that he did uh, that they did give uh, their international debut to. So what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to look at the managers that have been in charge of the national side since Brian Kerr took over in 2003. So it's Brian Kerr, Steve Staunton, Giovanni Trapattoni, Martin O'Neill, Mick McCarthy's. Uh, we'll have a brief look at Mick McCarthy's second time in charge and Stephen Kenny's reign to date, and have just discussed the players that they gave their international debut to. The player had the the longest impact, and uh, who we think overall had the best selection of players available to them. So, uh, Mark and Phil, I hope you're looking forward to uh, an interesting discussion. How are you, lads?
1: Yeah, very much so. Very much a mastermind uh, thesis uh, on its way
2: here, Joe. So, looking forward to it. Looking forward to your body and Ken early for 90 minutes. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, like I said, you know, I kind of feel like I dealt with what Ke- what Kane said in the blog post, and I think he was maybe a little unfair on Seamus Coleman. And I think that the conclusion that we drew was that James Coleman possibly could have gone to the Euros, but I didn't really think his performances in the uh, in the 2011-2012 season deserved it. Certainly not enough to to get into the the starting eleven uh, in any of the group games in Poland. But maybe if he had been more established as a senior international he could have gone as a squad player. Uh, Before we look at Brian Kerr, I just want to give a quick mention to Don Given's game in charge against Greece, where he gave a a debut to Glenn Crowe, the first League of Ireland player to play for the national side since the mid-80s. I actually thought Crowe acquitted himself quite well in that game. It was a pretty dire 0-0 November friendly uh, in the grand tradition of uh, November international friendlies. But he, he did actually play quite well I thought up front uh, with Gary Daugherty in a very much a a large and large partnership. Glenn Crowe would only go on to make one more appearance for his country under Brian Kerr but it was nice to see that sequence of League of Ireland players being not being able to get into the national side finally broken. So Brian Kerr took over in January of 2003 but it wasn't until the following April that he gave uh, his first new caps when uh, midfielder Alan Quayne and forward Alan Lee came on in a, a friendly against Norway, which is also my first international game. I know this was followed up not too long afterwards, the following September, in a, a draw with Turkey. Joe Murphy, who had played for Carolyn Rage level, made his debut in goals. But it was probably not until the following November, November 2003, where we saw one of the first really exciting players. To make his debut, uh, and that was when Andy Reid played against Canada. John Thompson, uh, who was with Nottingham Forest at the time, uh, also made his debut and his only appearance for Ireland as a as a substitute. You know, looking down through the list of players that Brian Kerr did give uh, a debut to, what strikes me the most is actually how few there are. You know, he only gave uh, fifteen players their international debut in the thirty three games that he was in charge and. I think, you know, one of the counter arguments was that there were a lot of fairly established senior internationals when he took over. But it, as we discussed in the one of our very first episodes, you know, we came to the conclusion that the team at the end of of his camp, of his time in charge was very, very similar to the team uh, when he first took over. When you think that you know, the last player that he gave an international debut to was Stephen Elliott in November 2004, Kurt didn't didn't give a day due to another player in the whole of his final year in charge in 2005. And especially towards the end of his reign, those last couple of games where the team looked tired, a little uninspired, a lot of people were kind of thinking, you know, maybe uh, an injection of youth, you know, the kind of fearlessness that comes with it might have uh, invigorated the team a little bit. And when his contract wasn't renewed by the FAI, I don't remember too many people being disappointed about it. Mark, you know, look at the list of players there, uh, that Brian Kerr gave an international debut to. What did you think about it?
1: Joe, he came in with great optimism, didn't he? From his underage Republic of Ireland managerial stint, you know, winning the European Championships, getting so far in, in the World Championships as well with Ireland. So, I mean, optimism was quite high. I mean, it's quite, it's quite the list there of 15 players and those 15 players have an awful lot of probably as, bad stories or sad stories to bring due to kind of unexpected injuries. Thinking about Martin Rowlands here, probably Stephen Elliott. I mean, Andy Reid as well, 29 caps. But I mean, Andy Reid, as you've said, Joe, such a gifted player. Just with injuries, should have gotten over the 50 caps personally. Lee Miller as well, 21 caps. And I suppose the key guy here that he's probably identified was Aidan McGeady from his tournament uh debut against Jamaica back in the 2nd of June, 2004. That was probably the key one, really. I agree with everything you said here, Joe, uh, in terms of his tenure, but I suppose that last year he was under the cosh completely, wasn't he? Results weren't going his way, form of the side, particularly with Established Stars. Within the side, things weren't clicking, so media were starting to get on his back. As a result, it was a bit of a close shop from Brian Kerr, particularly at the end which is a bit of a disappointment, uh, considering the underage people players that he had brought through at 16-18 level. Uh, we didn't really see that materialise too much in the senior camp, which was unfortunate. But all in all, I think it was a very mixed bag there for Kerr. Uh,
0: Phil, you know, Mark mentioned in McGee there as probably the outstanding success uh, of the players that Brian Kerr gave a debut to, going on to earn 93 caps for his country. Something else that's interesting about McGeady was that he was the only player under the age of 20 that uh, made his debut under the former under age manager. He was uh, he was 18 when, as Mark mentioned, he made his debut against Jamaica in a, a tournament that was held in in London. And like the the next oldest player was Andy Reid, who was 21 uh, when he made his debut. Looking back now, do you think that you know this might have been one of the first signifiers that. You know, we were gonna to struggle to bring through real talent from the underage setup. The players that were available in the underage setup weren't really doing enough to replace players in the senior team and it was just like McGee's McGee's talent, uh, Sean, and that's why he was able to establish himself.
2: Yeah, I don't think we I well, if anyone was gonna know the the ins and outs of our underage teams at that stage it was Kerr who would have known them well. And we didn't have an awful lot coming through. I suppose the thing that stands out is that the, the two players he brought through that got the most caps were, the, were two of our most creative players ever, I suppose, in the last 20 years, um, McGeady and and Andy Reeves. McGeady was capped. He had only scored, I think he had only scored his first senior goal at Celtic in April of that year, and he was capped in July, as he had mentioned. So it was a case of he was a real talent, I think everybody knew about him. And it was the same with Andy Reid. Andy Reid was was playing with Forrest at the time in division one and he was another one that was that was coming through. But there really wasn't if we're looking at the if we're looking at that list that of players that Brian Kerr brought through, is there anyone off the list that should have been in sooner? I don't think so. I no one really comes to mind. So I think he he brought through what he could bring through basically and maybe as as mark had mentioned there's a few players that could have went on to greater things that didn't unfortunately uh, lee Miller will be one of them but uh, it probably
0: was the start of a decline in our youth setup at the time yeah just you, you mentioned any Reid there and just to bring things back to ken early i do remember listening to an interview between Reid and early on news talk when he, when they were still with off the ball and uh, early saying he was delighted to see Reid performing so well that he, you know he was this was before he made his debut that when he did get into the national side it was his duty to get Kevin Kilbane out of the team and and Reid was uh, taken aback by this you know very respectful of what Kilbane had done for the national side and it was I, th- I thought it was a, a very strange thing to for the for a journalist to say you know you mentioned this. You know, there's no one really you could think that should have uh, been brought through. Um, one name that probably does stand out is Stephen Ireland, who, you know, towards the end of Brian Carr's reign, uh, was playing really well for Man City, um, went on to be nominated for a young player of the year and was given his debut by Carr's successor, Staunton, in his first game against Sweden. Now, Ireland and Brian Carr had had a falling out at underage level uh, following... Uh, a uh, qualifying tournament that was held in Cork. Kerr apparently uh, had told Ireland that uh, he would start in the final game uh, of the of the the fourteen qualifying series against England. But on the day of the game, and he changed his mind and told Ireland that he wouldn't be starting, uh, which upset the midfielder. Um, his family had come to see him play, come to see him start for his country, and he uh, told Kerr quite bluntly that he would never play for him again. You know, a lot of people ask the question. Why didn't Stephen Ireland play more for the national team? And, you know, the answer that I kind of, i given a few times is that, you know, after he had the falling out with Carr, he went back to Man City, back to the academy. Um, and that was the team that he played with. That's the team that he came through with. He played with the likes of Mika Richards. He played with, um, and I, I know some of these names might be familiar to any, but some uh, Man City hardcore, but players like Stephen Jordan players that would go on to play senior football for Manchester's blue team. And these were his friends. These were the players he played with. And I think he lost that connection with the Irish national team. He played with the players that he'd always played with at Man City. And when it came to the national side, you know, he didn't have that same connection to it, which it's hard to say who's who's in the wrong there. Maybe they both are, maybe neither, maybe neither of them are. But, you know, that does bring us... Uh, it does bring us to Steve Staunton's time in charge. In his very first game in charge against Sweden, he gave four players their debut. Kevin Doyle, uh, who actually had been named on the bench by Brian Kerr, uh, but not brought on. Joey Bryan, Wayne Henderson, and, as mentioned, Stephen Ireland. I think Stephen Kelly had been named on the squad initially. Uh, and I do remember him being interviewed on 2FM in the build-up to that game against Sweden, but unfortunately he came he was injured and didn't actually make his debut until the following May uh, against Chile. Sonding gave out 23 caps and his time in charge, uh, but the majority of those came in his maybe infamous uh, end-of-season trip to the States to play Ecuador and Bolivia. But looking down through the list, there are some very good players. like There's, there's Kevin Doyle, who had 63 caps, Stephen Kelly, uh, 39 caps, Jen Long, who's currently on eighty-eight caps, Stephen Hunt, Daryl Murphy, Andy Kyo with thirty caps, and uh, the last player that he gave a uh, senior debut to was uh, was Darren Gibson, probably the most infamous of all the players that he gave a debut to is 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 uh, Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, I think we have to. I think we have. Super Joe. I thought yeah, you were going to start yeah.
2: round it there nicely, but
0: uh. no, no. <laughs> I, no, I feel like it should be mentioned. I think for a long time um, he took the brunt of. The ire of of Ireland fans, are, but I read an interview with him a few years ago, and he's working as an accountant now. Um, and it kind of made me realize that you know what, it wasn't his fault. He was given this amazing opportunity, and he took it. If I'd been given the same opportunity, I would have taken it too. Of course, I would. Oh, he lived uh, the dream. Absolutely yeah, exactly. Dream. Look, Mark, let's let's go back to. Where I started there, and Staunton's first game against Sweden—a uh, three-nil win—that uh, I actually missed because I was in a car crash that day. Uh, I walked away without a scratch, but the car was written off. Staunton's reign is is derided for a lot of reasons, and you know, probably rightly so. But I I don't think you can say that he didn't give players a chance to to impress.
1: Oh, completely agree, Joe. I think you got to remember the context of when Steve Staunton was appointed as well kind of talked about Brian Kerr, you know, the optimism, the hope, faded, evaporated quite quickly, uh, became a stage mentality. With the appointment of Steve Staunton at the start, it was very much seen as kind of very attacking, open creativity. The 3-0 win, I remember I was in Boston at the time watching that game in Dorchester and Boston, and like the optimism after that game was incredible. 3-0, some cracking goals. We thought this was the start of something completely new, innovative, you know, really soaring to new heights. In fairness to Steve Staunton, we criticise Curd there in terms of his age profile. You certainly can't level that at Steve Staunton. And you're kind of looking down through the list, like, you know, Anthony Stokes got his debut when he was 18, Stephen Arden, 19, Darren Gibson, 19, Paul McShane, Shane Long, 20. You know, we can talk about the infamous U.S. tournament trip, but at least he was running the rule over players that were in that age group. They're either sunk or swum, um, to be honest. Now, granted, results did go against Staunton quite quickly, particularly in uh, the qualification campaigns. You've been a painstruck to, to describe that Cypress result as one of the worst results in Irish football history. But again, you're looking at the guys, you know, Stephen Kelly, Daryl Murphy, you know, Kevin Doyle. Guys of that ilk, I mean, he's given these guys an opportunity. So, I mean, even though Stan's tenure was pretty short-lived, he did give guys an opportunity to establish himself in the international footballing scene, and predecessors thereafter reaped the benefits. So, I mean, you have to credit Staunton, and I know he had Sir Bobby Charlton there, again, as the assistant, but it wasn't really kind of working out in that term. But, again, you have to credit Staunton. You have to credit the management for having the faith and trust to get these guys in and see what they could do.
0: When you think that Staunton gave, as I say, four caps in his very first game in charge uh, against Sweden, and I, it would have been five, I believe, if, uh, if Stephen Kelly had been available. That's as many as Kerr had given uh, going back to Aidan McGeady a year and a half before his, his reign ended. Phil, you know, just looking down through, uh, through Staunton's uh, time in charge. One thing that I did notice was that the players that he gave a debut to uh, early in his reign. So if you think like Kevin Doyle, Joey O'Brien, Wayne Henderson, Paul McShane, Shane Long, Stephen Hunt, Darren Murphy, and Andy Kil, that kind of takes it up. Oh, that's, that's slightly more than half the amount of players that he did give a, de- a debut to. But in the as as you continue on to down through the list, there's a, a tapering off in the number of of, of caps earned by players like. Colin Doyle and Venice, Alex Bruce, uh, before he ch- he decided he would rather play for Northern Ireland. Uh, Stephen Holland, who he impressed me in the two games in the States against against Ecuador and Bolivia, but unfortunately he was just cursed with injuries. Do you think that Staunton, that you know, we're giving him a lot of credit for for trying something new, but you know maybe he just he, did he run out of ideas very quickly?
2: Well, I think when he took over, I think. Th- when you, when you look at Brian, right the end of Brian Kerr's reign, it was, Irish football was stagnating. There wasn't that much excitement, even though he was an Irish manager who worked in the League of Ireland. There wasn't that much admiration for him when he did take over amongst general fans. I know League of Ireland heads would have been very excited. We had talked about it in a previous podcast that when Stan took over, everyone was kind of half excited because it was something totally left field. He was young. Nobody knew he was going to be rubbish. Germany had done the same thing which we had touched on with Yogi Lowe and Clinsman and there was a bit of optimism. And I think he obviously brought through some great like he brought through most of our goals. Like if you take Robbie Keane out of it, like most of our goals up until Martin O'Neill's time, like he brought like Stan gave caps to Kevin Doyle and Shane Long, which was, you know, nearly all of our go- all of our, our forward goals over the last whatever number of years. And I think the other thing to remember is when you look at the list of players he brought through, when Staunton got sacked, it was because he was underachieving with a fairly settled squad with some, some half decent and exciting young players in it or youngish players in it. And that that's at the end of the day, that's why he was sacked. It wasn't like we don't have the players kind of thing that we heard the last few years before Kenny took over. It was we actually have a decent squad with some good senior players in it. And here come. Kevin Doyle and the likes of Shane Long and he's not getting the best out of them. So he has to be given credit for throwing a wide net out and giving us a chance because I think when we move on to our next one, which is trap, while he did give an awful lot of players a chance, I do wonder what the criteria was for him giving players debuts or even looking at them. Did a player have to have, you know, 50, 60, 100 senior appearances with a club team before he'd even look at them because he gave Barely anyone under the age of 21 caps, whereas Staunton actually went out and, you know, he tried. He tried young lads. So there's credit credit where it's due.
1: And I suppose, guys, you know, the insurance policy for that appointment was Sir Bobby Robson going in alongside Steve Staunton. Because, as you say, quite rightly, Phil, it was a complete left-field move. Staunton really hadn't any significant managerial experience behind him. But the fact that Bobby Robson was there initially... Suggested that we'd had an old hand there to teach the the new up and coming manager. The experience of international football never materialized. Poor Bobby, Sir Bobby Robson was, his health was failing at that stage. He really didn't have yeah. any backup, Steve Staunton. I mean, he had Kevin McDonald and a few backroom staff, but in fairness to them, they're not going to put their heads up in the line here to help Staunton either. It was really Staunton's operation. As he said, he was the gaffer. <laughs> he was calling the shots. So were kind of, yeah. yeah. Did absolutely slide for him, but as we said, I think in terms of the age profile of these guys, you have has to be applauded.
2: Looking back at Kerr's Kerr's debuts, do you think maybe there was a thought around the the management team at the time that one of the pros of bringing Robson in? Now this is purely speculation. Was that possibly there might be more like Mackin that might have their head turned with a by someone with the stature of Bobby of. Sir Bobby Robson in the game that he might be able to convince a few more to come over and play for us because maybe they didn't think there was that much coming through at the time. I wonder.
0: That's a good point, actually. Um, you know, obviously.
2: maybe he got Mackin at the time. I remember Mackin playing for City; like he wasn't the worst player in the world. He was coming through, but maybe they thought, you know, we could, we we might maybe there's not an awful lot coming through. Maybe Brian Kerr had said that to them before he finished. You know, maybe the players weren't there, and maybe they were looking at. Looking over the water and have someone just to have a quiet word with a few players that might might have been on the fringe.
0: That's a that's a good point actually. And you know one of the things about Brian Kerr when he was first appointed was that he didn't have a reputation in England. I think Kevin Kilbane has said that when when he was first appointed as international manager, he didn't know he didn't really know much about him, and he had to go and talk to some of the, the un, some of the younger players in the squad who had worked with him at underage level to find out more about him. And you know, when you when you don't have a reputation like that, when your name isn't really known outside of the the League of Ireland or fans of the Irish underage setup, um, you know, maybe yeah, it's uh it could be difficult to attract players to change their international allegiance. Uh you know, not only that, that you know, car obviously had a he had a history with the League of Ireland and Maybe he just uh, he didn't want to go and speak to players about changing allegiance. I mean, um, if you look at the list of players, you know Mackin is is the only one who changed his international allegiance. Um, I don't think anyone else you know decided mm-hmm. to, to play he played for the Republic,
2: boys, didn't he? But like that's he didn't play. He played schoolboys in Scotland. That was it, though.
0: Yeah, but the thing about school-by football is you play football where you go to school. It doesn't matter about international agents Like, like, Ryan Giggs famously has school-by caps for England because he was in school in, in England at the time. He wasn't in Wales.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, Joe, if you kind of think back to like 1998, or Jesus, last century, but you know, the under 18, under European Championship team, you know, the squad there, you know, you're kind of talking like, so, you know, Alex O'Reilly, Thomas Heary, Keith Doyle, Jason Gavin didn't really make it, did they? You're really kind of looking at, like of Richie Dunn, Steve McPhail uh, from that. I think in terms of Barry Quinn, Jerry Crossley, Liam George, Richie Partridge. We had Robbie Keane in that squad as well. I mean, it really does go to show, like, the talent was certainly there, but for whatever reason, whether it was form and then injury, it really didn't work for quite a few of those guys because they were getting into that age where, if they were still on the scene, still on the radar, Curl should have been picking them, really, for an international call, at least.
0: Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made there that there was you know, there was certainly other players available to him, but he seemed to to stick with the the core group that he ha- had taken over, um, that it that were in the squad when he took over from Mick McCarthy. And you know, even if you you know if you look at the the list, like the majority of the players that he did give uh, a cap to, um, very few of them made it into double figures. Um, Alan Lee got to ten, Andy Reid twenty nine, Liam Miller twenty one. Uh, Ed McGeady '93 and the rest all you know nine or less. It was a very strange time to be uh, an Ireland football fan. Um, I think we men- I mentioned it when we when we looked back at Brian Kerr's time in charge that I've never seen any manager at club or international level given the welcome that he was given um, when he was announced at the press conference as the new Ireland manager. But uh, at the end of it, like I said, I don't remember too many people complaining that uh, that he was leaving. So if you move on to from Steve Staunton's time in charge and um, a new era and a new hope with Giovanni Trapattoni, you know someone very much from the the opposite end of the scale in terms of experience to to the novice Steve Staunton. It took him a little while to put a real stamp on the team. If you remember, he took a, a very large squad to Portugal for a training camp, and in his first game in charge against Serbia. He only gave two players their, their international debut. Uh, Glenn Whelan, who would go on to be uh, a stalwart in centre midfield under under Trapattoni and under Martin O'Neill. But something that does get uh, skipped over a little bit sometimes is that Wes Houlihan actually made his international debut in Trapattoni's second game in charge. A uh, friendly against Colombia that I was at that was held in Fulham's Craven Cottage, uh, coming on as a very late substitute in a, in a 1-0 win. You know, we said that Steve Staunton wasn't afraid to give new players a chance, and uh, I, I don't want to keep going back to Kennerly's statements on second captains. But he, you know, his argument that Chabotoni didn't give that many debuts to me uh, rings a bit hollow. Chabotoni gave 37 players their international debut. That's more than uh, any other manager, except Mick McCarthy, who was in charge for for far longer than the Italian. You know, how many of them went on to be unqualified successes? That's a, a different a different discussion. But if you look down through the list, there's you know there's a lot of the players went on to earn a significant number of caps. You know, Glenn Whedon, as we say, has 91. Jonathan Walters 54 caps. James Coleman 63. James McLean currently on 88 and would probably retire with 100 caps to his name. Jeff Hendrick uh, already on 68 and you know, could follow. James McLean into the the hundred cap club, Darren Randolph on fifty, Robbie Brady with fifty seven. Phil, uh, looking at the players that Giovanni Trapattoni brought through, like there was this trope about reporting under Trapattoni that this he picked the same team all the time. There was no variation. But if you look through, like if you look down through the list, there's there's a lot of players that he brought through. there's a lot of players that he you know gave a chance at international level. I mean, I know you said that. You know, and it is a good point that, you know, they weren't, uh, there's only two of them were in their teens. That's James McCarthy, who was who was 19 when he made his debut, and Greg Cunningham, who was also 19 um, when he made his first appearance in a friendly against Algeria in 2010. But there's, a, you know, there's players all across the pitch from Darren Randolph and goals to, you know, Caleb on up front. Um And... You know, I think that the the description of Giovanni Trapitoni as an an unexperimental manager maybe doesn't stand up to scrutiny.
2: No, I don't think so. Um, there's a few things about Traps Traps' reign and and the debut he gave. Like he brought through nearly a full team, or the guts of a full team in his reign that would become established. Like if you look down through the numbers, Walters, Clark, Wilson, Coleman, Keith Andrews, Hulahan. Brady Randolph, you know uh, McLean. These all he brought through. Like he was probably the first manager since McCarthy to bring through a full team and actually bring through that, bring through a core core of a team. If you want to sum up Traps Reign, you could look at his first cap. It's Glenn Whelan. He's ninety-one caps. He's more caps than anyone before. Keen, I think. I think it's McGee. McGee had so ninety-three and 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 his next in line then still then you look at Andy Reid who stopped on 29 caps and that would, that really just kind of summed up Trapattoni's approach I think as well, just going back to Early's comment about he didn't bring that many players through or whatever, I know it was kind of flippant but a lot of them were very forgettable he brought through a lot but a lot of them were very forgettable like his football, yes he qualifies for a tournament yes the playoff was great but like, when you're looking at the numbers there's not a lot. You know, Noel Hunt. Can you remember Noel Hunt's Caleb Fulham, seven games? Killian Sheridan, Greg Cunningham, Keats Tracy, There's Alex Pierce, Connor Salmon, nine caps. Didn't play anymore because he wouldn't get a pizza for Man of the Match. A lot of them were forgettable. And he, he did bring through the core of what would be the Irish team for the next 10 years nearly. So he has to get a lot of credit for that.
0: It's Killian Sheridan's birthday today, actually, coincidentally. But uh, yeah, I do remember being at. Uh, that game against Paraguay, the friend where he made his debut as a as a substitute, uh, it was uh, actually held in the RDS, and it was just before the World Cup in 2010. And I do remember uh, some Paraguay fans behind me screaming constantly through the whole game. At the you know, and in the first half, for the first half an hour, it was annoying. And by by the end of it, I was actually pretty impressed by them. Mark, looking at the players that Giovanni Trapattoni. Gave an, Gave international debuts to. Is there anyone maybe that you think is was underutilized by the manager? I think you know Wes Huland might be the the obvious one. Um, but you know if you look down like uh, Keith Tracy, I, you know I remember uh, Sam Adair saying he was one of the most talented players that he ever worked with at underage level, but never he really seemed to do it at senior level. You know Keith Fah, he only had fifteen caps. Uh, I know he scored a, a memorable goal in an, in the away win against Armenia that then we went on we were the only team to win in, in Yerevan. Is there anyone else there that you think possibly could have earned more caps than the Italian or any of uh, his successors?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a good question uh, Joe because I suppose we have to look at Trapattoni as well, you know, he really kind of set the base in terms of being solid defensively, heart breakdown so I think for the likes of Wes Hulahan I would say um opportunities were kind of few and far between. And as I think you've mentioned here, you've mentioned in terms of Key Tracy, I thought it was the fabulous player, Key Fatty as well. But yeah, I kind of kind of apart from that, I really the the probably unfortunate one for me was probably someone like Eddie Nolan. Probably had massive potential. It just never really kind of got to that level that he he's actually no back but Waterford United now. But um Another story of a real promising underage talent here that, you know, just due to injuries, didn't really kind of make it in the international level. But I think Trapattoni had these guys pretty much set from an early onset. He would bring these guys in for training camps and friendlies. But realistically, he you knew he's 23. And then anyone outside of that 23, I think, unfortunately, you're kind of looking on the outside. So, yeah, to, from a Trapattoni era perspective, I think, you know, the guys that had less caps, I think it was just kind of in just finding the means from Trapatoni, certainly. But I think Wes Hoolham particularly, when you think of his cap number, it's an absolute downright disgrace. That guy should have been on 60, 70 caps just for his ability and skill set alone. all. But um, this is how things have played out in Ireland, particularly with the starting from hit the bash of Brian Kerr as well. But, you know, going up along here, some up-and-coming talent like that being completely ignored up until when he's in his mid-twenties. I think it's pretty disgraceful uh, about the grassroots and developing underage talent.
0: Uh, in the the podcast episode, Ken already said that, uh, that that's the era, Trapatoni's time in charge, when a lot of the damage was done. Like, Do you think that Trapatoni's legacy is going to be you know, damp- the damage that was done to the national side?
2: I don't think so, no, because you can't really say damage because like you know like damage. We we only it's not like we didn't know what Trapattoni was about when when he was hired. We knew what he was about, and he was a pig ignorant Italian, and he's a bit like another. He's a bit like Mourinho or Conte. I want a player that's already playing, that's established, that does what he does. I don't want to be taking a chance on some young fella. That's not for me. I'm a winner. I. this is what I do, I'm. my job is to qualify you for a tournament, I'm going to qualify you for a tournament, if I have to go the safest route possible, I'll do it, I'm not taking any chances with some fella I don't know, because at the end of the day, that's my job, and there's a bonus in it for me. Mourinho and Conte are the same, they will not play young players, Trapattoni was never going to play too many young players, but I don't think it was a total disaster, because like, he brought through a lot of players, and he brought through a lot of players that would go on to become established, and like, I just did a quick mock-up of a team there that he brought through. Sorry, it's hailing away here. I don't know, is it a bit loud? Sorry, go Yeah, ahead. just just a, a quick mock-up of a team of players that he brought through that will, will become established. Randolph and Ford in goal, so either or. Both went on to play quite a lot. Ford famously, 31, when he made his debut. Coleman, St. Ledger, Clark or Keo, and then... At left back, Warder Wilson. They all went on to have decent Ireland careers and play in tournaments. Uh, James McCarthy, Robbie Brady, and Jeff Hendrick, James McLean, and Walters. The only thing he didn't really bring through was a striker. And at that stage, we had Lon, and we had the tail end of Doyle. So all those players, a lot of them are, were, are still playing. You know, H- Hendrick is still playing, is still playing, McLean is still playing, Coleman. Randolph is still there you know we're still calling on these lads so to say it was the downfall I, I, I think it's harsh you have to take things in context like his job wasn't to bring through a whole new bunch of young players like Stephen Kenny is now and get them ready in four or five years for a tournament that we might qualify for when he came in we expected to qualify for a tournament his job was to qualify for a, tour- a tournament qualify us for a tournament and that's what he did. And the the wreckage was at the end of it. But I don't think he left it in an awful state. At that stage, we just didn't have a goal scorer. And in fairness, there wasn't one coming through. There wasn't anyone really to be looked at by the time he left, was there? You're spot on, Phil, there. I mean, you have to look at the context of
1: where Giovanni Frappatoni's appointment came from. I mean, we're getting absolutely trashed by Cyprus and Nicosia. 5-2. We're scraping a 2-1 win against San Marino away. I mean... It's not as if we were, like, flaunting creativity to the eye could see. Trappertoni realised, and the FAI realised, they needed to get results back on board again. So, I mean, I think Trappertoni went with the brief, went with the brief with the FAI
2: board. And, and to, sorry, Mark, just not to cut across yet, but the brief was to qualify for a tournament because little yeah. did we know we were broke and we needed to qualify for a tournament. Exactly. And that's why we didn't go for someone like Stephen Kenny up until a couple of years ago, because we needed tournaments. We needed fans. We needed money, money, money. And the only way we were going to do it was qualify for a tournament. And it was just that was the be all and end all at the time. Exactly. fact, sorry to cut across.
0: Yeah, no worries, but well, you said there that Trapattoni didn't really bring through a, a striker. The thing about it was, uh, like, we still had Robbie Keane. You know, probably up until, and you know, he was still playing for for Martin O'Neill. So, I think for Tra- what Trapattoni, had to do to bring through a striker. He wasn't really a striker. It was really a strike partner for Robbie Keane. And I think he gave Kevin Doyle his chance. He gave uh, Shane Long his chance. Andy Kyo, Caleb Folan, who's I think his one outstanding contribution to Ireland was when he made his debut uh, against uh, Cyprus. He came on and won the ball and held it up for a minute and the ref blew. And I don't remember anything else that he did for the other six caps that he had. You could put together a fairly strong 10 players plus Robbie Keane that Giovanni you know, gave a, a chance to. When reign finally came to an end and the FAI got the man that, depending on who you've been listening to, uh, had been their number one target for a long time, was Martin O'Neill. O'Neill's time in charge, I think, is coloured by how it ended. I think that's like a lot of managers. You only remember the last 12, maybe 18 months of their time in charge. You forget everything that came in before that. Now, O'Neill, when he took over, you know, the football was... Tired and stayed and drab. Um, it look and he was never going to be a manager to turn a team suddenly into Brazil or from the from playing like they're uh, making an ad for Nike. Um, but he did. If you look at the, the players that, that he gave uh, debuts to, we have the likes of Shane Duffy, of David McGoldrick, Alan Judge, Jonathan Hayes, and Callum Dauda even towards the end of his reign, Matt Doherty, you know, got the first of his 27 caps under Martin O'Neill, um, and just to link things back to what we said about Don Gibbons giving Glenn Crowe, uh, you know, a League of Ireland player his chance, you know, he did. Uh, um, Graham Burke was the first League of Ireland player to score for Ireland in his second cap uh, against the USA in June of 2018. He also gave the likes of uh, Callum Robinson his debut and, you know, Aidan O'Brien did score in his debut against Poland. And uh, the last player that O'Neill gave a debut to, um, who might still go on to have the, the longest impact, is, uh, is Michael Obafemi, who hasn't added to the, the single cap he, he earned uh, at 18 when he, he came on as a sub against Denmark in November 2018. Mark, I think... The players that Martin O'Neill gave a debut to between him Staunton and Trapatoni there might be the most I don't want to describe it as disappointing but maybe they're they're probably the least uh, collectively talented group and I think this may be the the impact that was you know we were finally seeing in terms of the the lack of investment in training facilities and you know coaching at underage level and we're probably going to suffer from that for another while.
1: Certainly. I think it has reached its peak here um, after Giovanni Trapattoni, You know, people could argue, you know, the underage system had really dried up to that stage because you're seeing an awful lot of, there I say, UK born Irish grandparent rule people and folks coming in here. So I think from that perspective, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a pretty underwhelming kind of squad call up selection, if you may see, say there. Um uh, Joe, to be perfectly fair. Um I mean, we've had got some, some great stalwarts from the tenure. I mean, likes of Shane Duffy, Connor Horan, Matt Doherty, Callum Robinson, and Stevens. But again, nothing really kind of leaping out here, is there, in terms of kind of an age profile? Youngest here, can we mention his name? Declan Rice? <laughs> Was called up for a friendly. Suppose we have to. He uh, did. We have to. <laughs> the artist is formerly known as Declan Rice. But, you know, it's that sort of vibe here. I mean, he gives the kind of the talking cap to poor Andy Boyle, guys like that. Underwhelming, I think, would be the best way to describe this, uh, Joe. Um, long story short.
0: Phil, the biggest outstanding success under Martin O'Neill uh, from the players that uh, got their first taste international football uh, under him is, is Shane Duffy. 51 caps, but then. There's a big drop after that to Conor Horan's 32. Then a couple of players with, you know, 20 or you know mid-teens in terms of caps. It's hard to say now, but is there anyone else in that list of players that you think is can look to add to their caps as, at international level? Callum Robinson, possibly. Um, it's, it's not really
2: no, and I think this is it, it, O'Neill's tenure. The second part of his tenure is is where the accumulation of massive underfunding of football in this country and at youth level has just bubbled up to the top and exploded. And he took the brunt for it when he got sacked. But there wasn't a lot there. There wasn't a lot coming through. There was a lot of promise. He brought through a lot of technical. He brought through some good technical... Like. I remember Callum O'Dowd when he came. Callum O'Dowd has twenty-three caps, lads as well. My God! But I remember when he came on the scene. He was he was probably our most technical player at the time. He looked a, a real promise, but just constantly injured uh, with Bristol City. Matt Doherty wasn't played enough. And Stevens has twenty-three caps, but like when you think back at O'Neill's reign, he was basically left back the whole time, wasn't he? Bear Ward. There wasn't an awful lot that came through. And I think just going back to the point I made about Trap. Trap set him up nicely because. He would have never qualified for, for France if he didn't have that. The, what Trapp brought through as a basis, as a, as a as a core team. Because really, when you look at that, what he's brought through there, there's not a lot that would have gotten that team either. You know, Conor Horne, very forgettable amount of caps there for as many as he has.
0: Looking down through the, the list of the 28 players that he did give an international debut to, I don't know how interesting, or, but it's notable that 19 of them came after the, after the European Championships in 2016. Calum Adada was the last player that uh, before the, the tournament to make an international debut and the, the friend he lost to the Belarus that was held in Cork. But then after the tournament and, you know, tournaments, international tournaments are traditionally the end of a cycle. Of uh, as international level, and it does lead to retirements or players maybe taking a step back from seeing international football. And you know, in the the time between the end of the Euros in, as I said, in in June twenty sixteen, to when you know Mick McCarthy took over in in twenty nineteen, you know there was a a lot of experimentation, a lot of players given given caps by O'Neill, but it kind of felt like because the established players had retired. The player he was kind of forced into trying to find someone to replace them and you'd have to say that you know of the players that did get their debuts at this time there's not a lot of unqualified success there when we
2: look at caps and we look at debuts that o'neill has has given out and players he's brought through obviously shane duffy is the big success But I think the biggest talking point of O'Neill's era with uh, bringing players through is what I would call the half a cap he gave to two players. And that would be Declan Rice and Jack Reelich. Declan Rice played three times. It was only really half a cap because he didn't get capped, really, in the eyes of UEFA and FIFA. So he was able to jump ship and head to England. And Jack Reelich, while he did turn down you know, an invitation to come and play a qualifier against Scotland, more should have been done earlier to just get him capped. And it wasn't. And I think that would always be one of the 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 biggest talking points about O'Neill's reign when it comes to caps and players coming through.
0: Do you think that that's going to be the legacy of Martin O'Neill's time in charge, the players that got away, the win against Italy in, in France or even qualifying for the tournament itself?
2: No, but I think it's up there. It will always... It would always be discussed in the same breath, and you wonder now if we had Rice and Grealish. I know I can hate talking about it, but if we had Rice and Grealish now, what kind of position will we be in now? Would we be a lot further along in our development? Would we be have qualified for another tournament? You, you don't know two players in international football as as good as they potentially are. It easily changes can have huge implications. Like, you know, look at all the teams we've come up against in the last 20 years that have one good player. Like Poland, perfect example. Lewandowski, fairly average squad, couple of okay players, but always seem to qualify for tournaments because they have that one player. Austria, another one, Alaba. There's always a few. So I think, while it's not his legacy, obviously he gave us, he gave us some great wins. He gave us the Bosnia playoff. He gave us the Germany game. He gave us... tournament in france but it will always be talked about in the same breath
0: so look if we move on from martin o'neill into mccarthy's second time in charge of the the national side he didn't give too many caps in the brief time that he was in charge of the national side before handing over to stephen kenny but there were a couple of notable ones there jack byrne you know another league of ireland player playing in for the national side Josh Cullen is probably the big success. You know, he's gone on turn 15 caps since he made his debut against Bulgaria in September 2019. James Collins, I know he has distractors, but I think James Collins, he's a player that look, what you see is what you get. He's a championship striker. He scored in his debut, um, in that same game against Bulgaria and he did score away to Serbia, you know, to give, give us a, a glimmer of a chance of getting a, a result in the, the first World Cup qualifier under Stephen Kenny. Troy Parrott and Leo Connor were promoted from the under twenty one setup to make their debut against New Zealand. Troy Parrott almost scored. Leo Connor, I think long term he might go on to be a success. I think finalizing his move from Celtic to Tranmere and, you know, giving him a solid base after a succession of loans might prove to be beneficial for the player. It's gonna take him a at least another season, assuming Tramere get out of League 2, which looks like they're going to do it at the moment. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, I, w- I would hope that uh, O'Connor goes on to to be a success at uh, an international level. Another striker that made his debut under Mick McCarthy was, uh, was Aaron Connolly, who came on against Georgia and almost scored with a shot that went just wide of the far post. It's one of those moments, one of those real what-if moments in football, if Mick McCarthy had brought him on earlier or started him, would he have scored? If he had put a slightly more of a curl on the ball and had crept in at the, the far post, would McCarthy have been regarded as a genius? It's one of those things. Mark, we didn't really talk much about Mick McCarthy's first time in charge because it would have meant mentioning players like Robbie Keane, Damien Duff, Richard Dunn, Shay Given. Um, but, you know, looking down the, the, the short list of players that he gave Davies to in his second time in charge, what did you think of them? And like I said, who do you think of is going to be is could go on to still be a success?
1: Don't want to be harping back to his first tenure, but he wasn't afraid to give guys a chance. And the one thing you have to appreciate with Mick McCarthy in this, at least, there was a bit of cohesion between underage development squads, with Republic of Ireland to the senior squad. That players within the under 16 18, under twenty ones could see a pathway to the senior team, and he certainly did that by um, the call ups that he did make. Including Lee O'Connor, who I completely agree with you here, uh, and Joe, I think he's found a new lease of life at Tramir Rovers, and, uh, you know, will go to bigger and better things, I would think, given that they're in League Two playoff positions. Troy Parrot, Aaron Connolly, James Collins, Jack Bird. I mean, these are all attacking focused players. I mean, Mick McCarthy was centre half by trade, you know, so you can't really criticise McCarthy for being very defensive conscious here there the could have been a, a, a temptation to basically go back to kind of defensive ways. But no, he certainly gave guys their chance. I mean, Kieran O'Hara, from a goalkeeping backup perspective, fair enough. Josh Cullen suppose, right now, has been the success story from his second tenure. I mean, again, a guy that was recruited in has grown from certain strength. He was at West Ham at the time. Now he's with Anderlecht. And he's getting superb football first team minutes in Anderlecht in a very competitive Belgian league. So, you ask me in terms of who do I think could go on to the next level or go on. I mean, Josh Cullen, obviously, but I suppose if you're looking, it's probably the likes of the Aaron Connolly, I would hope, being based here in Galway. I'd have high hopes for Aaron Connolly. Given that he's a loan move to Middlesbrough, hopefully he can kick on. And same with Tripart as well and MK Dons as well. I think we need these two guys to start firing a bit in terms of club form and getting their chance in the international stage and getting goals under their belt. Because we just need that final third quality now uh, under Stephen Kenny.
0: Phil, well, you know Mitt McCarthy's second time in charge was it was short and it was shortened due to the well, due to the same reason that everything else got shortened in the last two years. Who are you looking forward to seeing more of as Stephen Kenny's reign continues?
2: Well, I agree with Mark. I think Josh Cullen is is probably the most exciting. He's he's the most established now. He's playing football at a high level. He's technical. He can run a game. We've seen him do it for the team, for the international team. I'm kind of hoping he goes on to just establish himself even further for the next few years at the the kind of centre point of our midfield. McCarthy had to bring in a lot of those. I know you were saying he brought in a lot of attackers and he's a defender and all that. But I think at the time, I think the biggest complaint from fans was that there was no new blood coming through. We weren't scoring goals. And we needed attacking players. So I think his remit was to bring through, to start bringing through attacking players, young players. I think that's the main reason we saw them. And we, we were starved to goals, in fairness. But yeah, probably Josh Calling Like, Mark Travers should go on to have a great career as well, lads. I know we mentioned at the top of the podcast that he's, he's probably going to be the number two or number three for Ireland. But he should go on to have a great club career, judging by... How he's doing this season and his age profile. He is still very young, and bounced back from that calamitous senior appearance with the Irish team against Serbia to to put the head down and 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 do really well for him at this season. So I think he'll be someone that we'll see a lot of it across the water at weekends playing first team football. It might be a bit like the Kieran Westwood situation. You know, they probably play at a decent level, but we'll never actually see him in a green jersey.
0: One last thing, just about Mick's second time in charge, is that James Collins apart, the players that he gave Davies to were all quite young. James Collins being the outlier, twenty eight, but you know as we mentioned before, he did spend a lot of his career in the in the lower reaches of the the league setup or the English Football League before reaching the Championship with Luton. Now Kieran Harrow was twenty three, so was Jack Byrne and Josh Collins. But the last four players that Mick gave debuts to, Travers Connolly, Lee O'Connor and Troy Parrish were 20. Both Conley and O'Connor were 19. And Troy Parrish was 17. So it's good to see him unafraid to give youth this chance. And so finally, we come to the, the current manager, Stephen Kenny. The first player that he gave an international debut to was uh, Adam Ida uh, in the 1-1 the draw away to Bulgaria. You know, and he's also gone on to to earn the most caps of uh, the players that he's given debuts to. Uh, with uh, with thirteen, the first thing that uh, that struck me about the players that Kenny gave a uh, a debut to is that he's continued very much in the same vein as Mick McCarthy. You know, giving debuts to to very young players, with uh, Will King being the the outlier uh, who made he was uh, twenty eight when he made his debut in November against Portugal. But everyone else is nineteen or in their their early twenties. And despite being in charge for, for twenty games, you know, Kenny is still giving uh twelve players their debut. I mean, that's only three less than than Brian Kerr did and he's thirty-three games in charge. And I think there's a real chance that Kenny could uh equal a Kerr's record or and even pass it out in the the two games that we're looking forward to in, in March that we'd we'll be previewing in a few weeks' time. Um and looking down through the list, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to be excited there. There's, uh, you know, Gavin Bazzulio and Creevan Gallagher in goals. There's Daryl Shea, Andrew O'Madele, uh, Nathan Collins in, in defense, Jason Malumbi, Jason Knight uh, and Jamie McGrath in midfield and up front, as we said, uh, Adam Eda and Will Kane. There's the, the makings of a, a really strong starting 11 from those 12 players. Phil, like, uh, what's your impression been of the players that Kenny has given, uh, debuts to so far?
2: It's just be, it's been a breath of fresh air. It's great to see nearly all of them playing full-time club football as well, as in, i.e. starting games, you know, week in, week out. And we've just seen Adam Ida unfortunately get injured, but another player that, that has been trucking away from us, you know, he's 13 caps. He's, he's a real worker, but he's started to have goals now. So hopefully when he comes back from injury, he'll get his goal for us. I think the most exciting thing is about this group of players is the it's, def, it's the age profile. They've all been capped under the age of 21, 22. Most of them Barry McGrath, Benet, uh, Willa Keane, obviously. But most of them are they're young. So like when Trapatoni was capping players, I had a look at it earlier when I was just going over the notes. And when Trap was capping players, it was 24, 26, 24, 26, 25, 28, 25, 31, you know, there was one or two 19-year-olds, 25, 27, 25, 27, 24. You were getting maybe a campaign and a half out of them. Whereas realistically, we look at Gavin Bazunu now, we're going to get four campaigns out of him. Five, possibly, you know, between the Euros and, and the World Cup. And the same with the likes of Daryl Shea, Malumbi, Ida, Parrot, Conley, if he can put the head down. So, actually... Putting a team together and watching them grow together for the first, for, probably for the first time like ever. Well, as long as I'm supporting the Irish team, if I can remember, watching a team grow through tournaments, um, that's the most exciting thing about it.
0: Mark Phil has an interesting point there that the average age of the player that Trapizone gave uh, a debut to was uh, almost 24 years old, whereas with, with Kenny, it's 21 and a half. So if you think of it in a four-year cycle, a 24-year-old will play; they'll probably play for two. Whereas uh, a you know a 21-year-old can play up to to three cycles. So you know we've talked about how many caps uh, that each player under a previous manager has earned, and obviously you know Stephen Kenny um, has only been in charge for for almost two years now. Of the players that he's given debuts to, I suppose Bazunu is probably the one that you think might want to earn the most caps. You know, O'Shea, O'Mabama Daly, Collins, they could go on to be the backbone of the side, you know, probably for at least the next 10 years. fact,
1: absolutely. I'm I'm looking at the 12 players that you've called out here, Joe, that Stephen Kenny has given call-ups to. I could see at least 10 out of the 12 getting over 50 caps, probably hovering into that 70-cap range, all going well, injury-free. And you have to kind of applaud Stephen Kenny as well. Again, it's continuation. A bit like uh, Mick McCarthy as well, you know, that you're creating the pathway to the senior side, that you're giving any underage promising player that encouragement, that opportunity to uh, stake a claim in the senior squad. Yeah, certainly we've had Nation League campaigns that have been fairly underwhelming. The World Cup qualification campaign hit skids fairly early, but we're getting optimism now, come the second half of that, and there's a little bit of optimism in terms of Nations League, particularly playing likes of Scotland, Ukraine, uh, in the next couple of months. So, I mean, as you've rightly pointed out, Joe and Phil, likes of Abameda, unfortunately out injured, thirteen caps, Malumbi twelve, Daroche, ten, Knight nine, Gamzuno, ten. You get my drift here. We're getting into that ten to twenty international camp range where these guys are now familiar with the international football, what it takes from a defensive and also an attacking perspective, to impress. So I would be expecting big things here from Stephen Kenny. I'd be expecting big things from the senior side. Otherwise, I think, uh, you know, it'd be a little bit of a disappointment just given the, the potential and what we've seen, particularly in the last
2: six months.
0: Just looking back through each of the managers that we've discussed, Phil, like who do you think had the, the best selection of players available to him?
2: I would say Trapattoni. But unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but Trapatoni, but they were all quite old when he got them. Maybe not his fault entirely, but I definitely think when you look at the players that that came through and that had long and successful careers with the Irish team, going back as far as
0: Brian Kerr, I would definitely say Trapatoni. Uh, Mark, would you go along with that? Do you think uh, Giovanni Trapattoni, the players that he gave debuts to, was the best of the managers that we've had since Mick McCarthy stepped down in at the end of 2002?
1: Yeah, I can't really argue with that. If you're kind of going from the sense of the players that he's called up, I think Trapattoni probably is take, fitting the bill there as well. But I suppose overall squad-wise, you know, I would go back to Brian Kerr. Kerr did have a established world of stars in his squad. So I don't think there was really any excuse there from Curran, the performance of the team. I think as an overall squad unit, um it needed just a few tweaks, and that didn't happen. So I think it's a double barreled answer for you. But in terms of call-ups, in terms of players that have been brought through, I think probably Trapatoni. Yeah, certainly. And maybe Martin O'Neill probably most disappointing, most underwhelming in terms of his squad selection, because an awful lot was probably um seen... To be expected from Martin O'Neill and also Roy Keane being the backroom staff. So it didn't really materialise, did it really, in terms of squad selection?
0: I, I'd agree with that. I think, um, you know, one stat that I did dig out before was that Brian Kerr actually has fielded the most starting 11, made up entirely of Premier League players of any Ireland manager. Um, I just felt that he underwhelmed significantly with the talent that he had available to him. And I I think that Trapattoni did have the most talented players available to him. And like, I know he had a, a longer tenure than the other managers, um, but he did give a lot. I think given the 37 players that he did give a debut to, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, long-term success there. And, and
2: obviously the, the answer should hopefully be, uh, you know, in five years time, if we ever did this again, the answer would hopefully be Stephen Kenny.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'd like to thank Mark and Phil for joining me for this discussion. Uh, you can follow Mark on Twitter at Hawkeye Psychic and uh, uh, on Facebook. You can follow Phil on Twitter at Philip Flanagan. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It was something a little different and something we haven't really done before. We hope you appreciate that we put in a a lot of homework to have the the facts and figures available on each player and when they made their debut and how old they were and who was the manager at the time and the average age of the players that the managers gave a, a debut to. We'll be back in a few weeks to preview the two friendlies against Belgium and Lithuania at the end of March. Uh, we look forward to talking to you then. Okay.